Welcome to the New Music Podcast, proudly presented by the 13th Floor and Podcast New Zealand. I'm Marty Duda, and today I talk to Wayne Coyne of the Flaming Lips. The band has just released a new album, American Head, and it's getting rave reviews. And as you'll hear, Wayne has plenty to say, so let's get into it. Obviously, there's lots of stuff going on in the States as far as current affairs and debates and elections and things, so uh, if you have anything to say about any of the stuff that's happening. Well, I mean, you know, sometimes the news of America, most of it, you know, is how you can't believe how stupid it is. I think that's what the front page has become about American politics is you can't quite believe how how immature and stupid it is. And yet it keeps getting worse, you know. So, yeah, it's 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 embarrassing. But but, you know, I I don't really feel like. Like Donald Trump represents me, you know, when I go sure. to New Zealand or Australia, I don't walk around thinking I've got to apologize to everybody because Donald Trump is so such an idiot. I, I never think that. I think people are can say he's the president and you're you're just you're your guy in the flaming lips. There's nothing, you know, so I, yeah. and I don't feel that way about people from other countries. You know, I don't feel like, oh, you're, you know, your ruler or your your dictator or your president is an. So what do I do? You know, so and yep. and most of the time I don't ever even think about Donald Trump. I mean, I just I've never cared that much. I mean, I vote and I and I try to be as involved in especially my local politics here, because these guys are really the ones, you know, that are helping me in my neighborhood. You know, yeah, the yeah. president really doesn't have that much effect on my life. You know, um, so I never think about that much. I mean, I vote. Every time there's there's an opportunity to vote on you know anything I can, but I try to remind right. people it's like he's the, he's the president. Who cares? You know it's supposed to be <laughs> a show. You know it's supposed to be a, a stupid show. It's not. You know I mean, as much as I like Barack Obama, I mean I still feel the same way about him. I'm I'm glad he's he's a, he's a great speaker and he's a, he seems like a really you know cool and, and man with integrity or whatever. But he's yes. the president of the United States. There's a lot of channels that have to go right before anything can get done, you know. And so I really I spend most of my political time just with my local guys. You know, I know gotcha. the mayor of Oklahoma City. I know him. He's my friend. We help each other. If, you know, if, if the sewers in my neighborhood are fucked up, I have four guys that I can call that are going to help my neighborhood. That's, that's good enough gotcha. for me. All right. Well, that's good yeah. enough for me. So we'll go from American politics to American head. How's that? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so the the record's been out a little while, and there's been uh, a lot of people writing, and I'm sure you've been talking to a lot of people about it. And I'm wondering, with the, the hindsight of a few weeks, uh, how are you feeling about the way it's been received, and how are you feeling about it? Does, does it change how you relate to it with all the hubbub that surrounds a release like this? Well, I mean, you know, you get used to being thick-skinned about no matter what you do. You know, you say, well, I don't care, you know, if people don't like it or whatever. You know, you sort of have that mentality, you know. And it's not very often that you have to get used to people, you know, loving you, you know. So so that part of it is always... You know, I'm always ready for uh, to be defensive or whatever and and to just accept, um, you know, people's opinions. And that that's fine. You know, 
Um, but yep. when people, you know, love you so much and say it's, that part of it is 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 as much as I I wish I could be, you know, indifferent to it. It is absolutely wonderful, and I I do try to read every everything that people say. I mean, I know a lot a lot of uh, music writers, and I want to know. I, I mean, I read stuff that they do even when I'm not when they're not writing about the flaming lips, and so I want to hear what people think about right. it and there's lots of stuff that you can you know that you can uh, find out there you know and so yeah i mean it's it's absolutely wonderful and you just go wow you know um you know it, it's happened to us a couple other times where you really are just you know part of us has already moved on to the next thing i mean that's just the way the world is you know i mean we, yep. we finished yep. this album last january and we're just creative, you know, we're creative people. So we just keep creating stuff. It's, you know, we don't just stop and say, uh, you know, I hope the world notices that one. And what do we do now? You know, um, but it's absolutely wonderful. I mean, when, when you know that you've connected with people and you know that they're relating to the things that you're singing about and they're, and even in these strange, worrisome, sad times, I think this record has a, if, if, I could just say this, you know, if we didn't make this record, I would go get it and listen to it. You know, I'd go, I'd right. do it while I'm going to sleep and stuff because it's just a great, gentle, um, yes. you know, flowing, very melodic. You know, it's got these great sort of unexpected melodies, but they're unexpected in a good human way, you know, and it's easy to feel this record, you know, and sometimes we don't do records like this, you know, because it's, this, it, they're tough records to make. I know. can imagine. Once you listen yeah. to the lyrics, they're pretty personal, especially from you. And some of the, it's pretty dark. I mean, there's a lot of death, a lot of drugs involved in it. But like you say, the music itself is very soothing. So uh, how should people approach all that? Well, I mean, I think that's part of why it can work. You know, I, I don't think you can sing about something that's too brutal and too ugly and then make the music and everything about it ugly, too. You know, it's just no one is going to yeah. want to listen to that. You know, even you, no one is even going to want to make something like that, you know. <laughs> so I think there is there is it's not a formula, but there are certain storytelling elements that, you know, you can you can start to make music that is like telling your story and then. The music itself sometimes does does invo you know it evokes so much that you do start singing about you know melancholy things from your past. I mean, the song "Dinosaurs on the Mountain," you know, it's it almost sets it up like there is a, it. It almost seems like you know I'm going to sing about something like that. You know I'm going to yeah. sing about something that's kind of melancholy and it's kind of lost and it's kind of. You know, it's from my childhood, but yet I'm still a grown man and I still you know, have wishes about it. You know, it's you can kind of tell that just from the way that. And so sometimes I think we're making music and while we're making the music and while we're coming up with it, it's letting us say more and more because that's the type of format that we're in. It almost means that you have to say something. It's just set up yeah, that right. way, you know, and, and we like that. I mean, we like that it's. It's helping us, you know, it's helping us sing things. And, but I don't ever think it's uncomfortable to sing about, you know, my, my brothers and my mother. I mean, for me, it's not, I'm, I'm more than glad that, um, you know, it's far enough away now that, I mean, and my mother's been yeah. dead for a long time. So I, I, I'm able to sing songs about her now because if 
she was alive, she'd she'd get mad at me and she'd be embarrassed, you know. And in just in general, is it a good thing to be kind of nostalgic and sentimental and looking backwards rather than forwards when you're making music, do you think? Well, I mean, you know, I think those are terms that people use to sort of say, oh, you know, this, this music, I don't know, who would it be, um, you know, Phil Collins or, or Michael <laughs> Bolton or something, you know. But no, I mean, for me, and I think for most music lovers, you know, if, if you really were going to, if you really get down to it, you know, sentimental music has, it has the ability to, you, you time travel through music. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. it's it's magic. And, you know, if you're old enough, you have different places where music can take you. That is absolutely nothing else in the world can do that until they make a time machine, you know. And so it's like, yeah, I mean, I think the, the music has the power to do all that. And it and I, I don't necessarily know if it's if it's looking back, you know, everybody is singing songs from experience. compared to you know what happened to them them out of the out of their mind that they have now you know i often say that like i want to listen to an old record but i want to hear it with my new mind you know you know what i mean or i'll i'll read a a, you know a passage out of a book or something i want to reread it with my new mind like what i know now you know and i think that's what we're always doing with with our music is saying i want to sing about this thing but i want to sing about it the way I am now and, and see if I can just get a little deeper and a little bit more, you know, knowing about this story, which really is just knowing about yourself and knowing about your family and stuff, you know, but, but when you do that, you know, you really are evoking a kind of universal sound, you know, everybody thinks about things from their past. Everybody wishes there were things that they could change. Everybody wishes they understood what, you know, why did I do this? I should have done that. And, and that, when you can capture that in music, um, you know, it's, it's an amazing, amazing thing. You know, those simple human uh, uh, regrets and joys are, that's what music is, you know? Right, right. Now you mentioned your mind, and I'm I'm concerned about it because uh, um, there's there's a lot of this, a lot of uh, drugs are mentioned quite a bit, quaaludes and LSD and weed, yeah. and um, having not partaken that much of myself, but I'm thinking about it. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering, uh, do you regret the amount of drugs? Did you say you're thinking about doing more of them now? Yes. <laughs> I just turned 65 and I've told everybody that I'm ready to go now. So, right. I mean, I think I would be, I would be in exactly your, your category. I mean, I, especially when I was young and, and my older brothers and their, their friends would do just drugs all the time. You know, I mean, I really was angered about it. You know, the, the very first song on the album, the will you return when you come down it really is a combination of, of stories from Stephen's uh, childhood and mine about these, our brothers and their friends being on drugs and having car accidents and getting killed. And, right. you know, the fallout of all these, these horrible things. And I was lucky that I was young enough and resilient enough. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to do drugs because I saw how, how mm-hmm. messed up everybody was, you know. Right. And when when there was a couple of car accidents that happened and and our friends got killed, you know, 
and this is my when I was very young, you know, I'm only 13 or 14. You know, I blamed right, right. the drugs. I blamed people being too fucked up on the drugs, you know. And then yep. the guy that died, his girlfriend was pregnant and she killed herself and she was only 15. And I again, I blamed the Man. drugs, you know. And yep. now I don't I don't I feel like I could have and should have been more empathetic. You know, I should have tried to understand it more instead of just being angered about it. And I think that's why I wanted to sing these this these songs this way and say these things because I don't feel that way now. I really right. wish I could have just been with them. You know, I I didn't even want to go to the funeral because I just was like this is just but you know when you're 13 or 14 you don't know if every friend for the rest of your life is going to die in a car accident. You know, this sure, was just a sure. it was a small time, you know, it was a short time when all these very intense things happened. And luckily, my older brothers did. They they did get smarter and they did get more cautious and they did pull out of it, you know. Um, but there's a lot of people that didn't. And, and you know, it, even on Stephen's side and his family and his friends and stuff, a lot of people that didn't. And I think right. that's that's why we sing about it. it. It's I think we felt like we were right back then, but now we realize we were wrong. And that's that's do you, where do you worry about songs, really? the perception of glorifying it and encouraging people? I mean, I don't know one way or the other anymore, but, uh, no, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, I don't think most people are even going to know what a quaalude is. I mean, you may know, but I don't think <laughs> most people aren't going to know. And I think it's long enough ago that it, we're kind of evoking a, a, a mysterious past that could have happened or could be a story or could be a bunch of made up stuff. I mean, I remember listening to um, Strawberry Fields Forever, you know, the Beatles song right. when I was eight years old. I didn't know what they were talking about, but it, I knew they were right, talking right, about right. something from their life. And I thought, man, that's fucking cool. You know, I didn't really right. think about what all the stuff yeah. meant. I just thought it sounded great. So I allow that that could happen with our music as well, though I'm singing about something that, if, you know, if if you put me on the witness stand, I could have to, I could tell you the truth about it. But in a way, I'm kind of singing something that is it's a it's a time and it's a place. But it could be any time and any place if that's what you want. Yeah. I was thinking I, of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds myself, but <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Remembering what a big deal they made about the yeah. fact that it was LSD in the title, kind of, if you thought about it long enough. <laughs> well, I, which I think is very cool. I mean, I think that just goes to show um, how cool of a song it is. You know, I mean, I, I, a lot of songs, you probably wouldn't listen to them more than once and say, well, if it's about LSD, I don't care because it's such a right. know, such a dumb song. But it really is, um, by anybody's standards, it's an amazing, amazing song and it's amazing production and it's amazing lyrics. And even the fact that people say it has LSD in it, I'm like, well, if that's true, that's cool. Even if it's not true, it's still it's still wonderful. Right. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. Now, you've got... Um... A, a guest in on the album, Casey Musgraves, and I'm I'm curious as to how yeah. well how you you and you kind of roped her into play, to working with the band. Did you have a previous well, relationship? Do you know each other? Well, rope <laughs> is a little bit of the right word. I mean, oh, you know, <laughs> Stevens Stevens' younger daughter. I think she's I think she's twelve now. Um, she loves, 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 you know, music and she'll latch on to something and, and just listen to it every day. So for the past two years, 
um, this going back a year or so, you know, she was listening to Casey Musgraves almost exclusively as they drove back and forth to school. So Stephen, you know, through the the daughter knew every every all the music that Casey had done, and he quite oh, liked right. it. And we we were we were liking her anyway. I mean, we really do love her voice, and she's just got a great style about her and the things. She's a songwriter herself, and her songs are great. And her lyrics are great, you know. And but we were, you know, we didn't know how we were going to reach her. I mean, we knew plenty of people that knew her. We knew plenty of people that played in her groups. But it was a little bit like, well, how do we how do we just talk to her? And then not this summer, but the previous summer, they played a big American festival called Bonnaroo. And on the Saturday night slot, when they played their encore to this big festival on a Saturday night, um, they did her song, Do You Realize? And so... Uh you know, I in in the middle of the night, I'm getting texts from all these freaks that are there saying, "I can't believe it, Casey did your song." You know, so I think cool. that was it's it's. I mean, I couldn't go back to sleep for a week. I was like, "It's just too great. It's too exciting." You know, um, yeah. but that gave us a little bit of a hint that if we could reach her, she might be receptive. You know, I mean, you don't. You know, you don't want to reach someone and then say, hey, do you want to sing in our song? And they're like, no, I don't like you. You know, I mean, that's, you know, that's that's tough. So we kind of knew that she liked us. And so, um, yeah. And then I think we knew that she would she would she was up for like, yeah, send me some songs. Let me see what I can do, you know, and she responded really well to the first couple of things. And uh-huh. and so we knew that we were going to. You know, we were we were moving towards knowing. Okay, you know, we have a night that we're going to record with her, and we'll get our uh, we'll get our our music ready and all that. And when she when she shows up, we'll be ready to go for a couple hours. You know, and I'm always, but that's why when you use this word "roped her in," it's like I was <laughs> wanting to come up with one more track because I right. once I knew she was going to do it, I was like, well, let's see if we can get two or three out of her and see if that right. will work. You know. So we came up with this. It was just an accidental uh, sort of song that we came up with. Stephen was writing a, an intro to a song, and I kept hearing uh, it as just a new song. And then that became the song, the God and the Policeman song. And uh, I, and so I just, you know, I made it up thinking, well, maybe Casey would sing this. And so we, we put um, Stephen's vocal in instead of where Casey's was, and we sent that to her and said, would you want to do a duet like this? And she responded immediately, like, oh, this is my favorite. This is great. I want to do this. I, you know, so it's like, bam, you know. So just sheer, just sheer dumb luck, you know, that um, she was up for it. The, the songs happened and she was available. And man, yeah. And I really can't quite believe it that it happened. I mean, sometimes it's, it's like that. You know, you're you're just trying and trying and trying and you don't really know if it's going to work and I and when I hear the song now, I'm just like, oh my god, Casey Musgraves is on, on this track. That's amazing, and yeah, it cool. really is. I mean, she was, she was the only person that we were really trying to get. We have another friend of ours, Micah Nelson, who is one of um, Willie Nelson's um, younger boys, and we've we've done uh-huh. some music and stuff with him and, and stuff. He's he's on one of the songs as well. But we knew he wanted to because we talked to him all the time and we were all, you know, we're all buddies. Right, right. So, you know, but trying to get Casey was, it's just one of those funny things that you're 
you know, there was nobody else that we wanted, you know. And then right, right. she said yes. And we were kind of like, cool. oh, and oh. She's, she's also on Flowers yeah. of Neptune 6, I believe, which is, if my understanding is she correct. She is. She is in, yeah. yeah. That's a, yeah. Is that a song and, and, that Stephen started yeah. out, right? Right. I mean, you know, for the longest time, that harmony that she's doing is would have been Stephen's harmony. And but Stephen had a, he wanted it to be Casey. I mean, we were singing it and sort of shaping it like if if she wanted to sing that, she, it, it would fit really well. But this is just one of those great sort of melodies that is, you know, for me, I always I still think of the song as three separate little melodic bits there, you know, and that's that's just one of those things that, man, when. Stephen will come up with these things that have that sort of connection and he'll he'll sort of be like I don't know if this is working what do you think and I'm already like dude it's gonna work this is because it's so <laughs> evocative to me and it just starts it starts me thinking I already know what I'm going to sing about I already know what the characters can be I already know what it could be you know and so um, right. that's probably one of the you know the top three or four that he's ever come up with that's just like, oh man, you know, it's so unique, so much flaming lips, it's so much, and it's so memorable <laughs> and so emotional and just like, man, you know, so yeah, yeah great, go. great, and 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 Stephen and I do, um, you know, we worry a lot that these, we call these little, these types of melodies and things, you know, these are like gifts from the gods of music, you know, and we know that they only give out, you know, one or two a year, like you get one and, you know, somebody else gets one over there, you know, and so when you get it, such a, it's such a amazing, amazing emotional melody like that, you know, we make the, we make a promise to the universe that we will not screw this up, you know, we won't, we won't take it lightly and we'll make it as, as precise and as juicy and as perfect as we can, you know, so that's yeah. the other part of it, you know, and that's, yeah. and then that's yeah. why we wouldn't, we don't, I don't think we'd want to make records like this all the time. You know, they just have gotcha. a high, a high intensity of like, you know, and, and, and you guys have been, I mean, yeah. you and Steven and Michael and to a lesser extent, David Fridman have been working together for a very long time now. And, has that relationship yeah, yeah. between you guys changed much? Is it this? Do you have the same kind of interaction? Are you coming from the same places now that you used to? Well, I mean that that's a good question. You know, when I first started to work with Dave Fridman, um, long time ago, nineteen eighty-eight. You know, yeah. I would not have been as aware of where I, what I'm doing. You know, back then I probably would have thought. You know, I know how to write songs and I can play a little bit and I can sing a little bit and the rest of it is kind of going to be up to, you know, technology and noises and stuff to make it all work, you know. And he was yep. very, um, you know, he was very keen to be like, whatever it is that you guys want to do, I'll help you do it. And he's got a great, great ear for dynamic sounds and he knows how to make a mix really fat and loud and get rid of all the clutter and all that, you know. But as we would go along... You know, now it's a long time that we've been working together. You know, as we would go along, you know, he would be more in in there even when we're coming up with the song and saying, here's how this could go. And he would have a little bit of say and let's make this faster and maybe cut out this third verse and maybe, you know, so more and more having another opinion about, I think this part's working, but I don't think that part is working. And so 
as we've gone along, I think more and more we can do it now without even having to say much to each other. I just know, I, I can feel the guys in the room are excited and they have an energy and they're leaping on to whatever we're doing or they're not, you know, and when they're not, you know, I keep working until they are, you know, but when they are, I know like something here is working and being the decision, you know, the, I mean, ultimately for good or bad, you know, it's, it's my decision in the end when things right. are going good, it's not anybody's decision. It just is already decided because we know it's, you know, it's working or whatever. But when you have to make a decision and no one knows what to do, you know, then it's then it's going to be me, you know. And so I like it when it's easy to decide, you know, and I want everybody to like it and understand it and be part of its its creation and part of its, you know, what what's making it good, you know. Now, the album finishes off with a song called My Religion Is You. And uh, from what I, it seems to me that a lot of people that I know that have kind of entered, you're about 59, I think. I'm 65. Some, a lot of yeah, people. Yep, 59, yep. Yeah. And a lot of people seem to return to religion when they start to get a little bit older. And you had a little experience at Catholic church or at school, I, from what I understand. So I'm wondering uh, yep, what yep. your what's your view on all that is. Do, have you, has it? Has it kind of seeped back into your life at all? Well, no. I mean, but I, but I do. As you know, as, as the more experiences you get and all that, you do see. I mean, I, I don't know your life, but I'm just saying. You know, for me, I've never really needed. I've never been in a situation, a situation yeah. being like your family burned up in a fire. And, right. you yeah. know, there is just there is just no answer for some things in the world, you know, and I can totally understand why this type of accessible religion exists, you know, and I would I would say to my mother all the time, I was young, I mean, it was only like first and second grade, it was it wasn't very long that we were in Catholic school, but there would be a lot of, you know, gobbly gibberish about like you know jesus <laughs> yeah. dying for your sins and stuff that i i still don't quite understand what they mean by that you know and my mother knew that we just weren't a family that you know was needed that you know we had a stable beautiful cool smart you know you know the way we grew up it, we didn't we weren't we weren't in turmoil and tragedy and uncertainty you know and she said, well, yeah. well, you know, religion is for people that don't have anybody that loves them, you know. And so these, you know, they know God loves them and they know Jesus loves them because they don't really have a mother and they don't have a dad and they don't have brothers. Sisters and, you know, and, and I think that's probably true, you know. But I would just say, you know, if, 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 if when I was, especially when I was younger, if my mothers and mother and dad and all my brothers and stuff had died, I probably would. Yeah. searching for some something you to say something, don't you? Yes, yeah. <laughs> well I, I, yeah you know and and so i never put it down you know i and i i feel like if you need it it's there for you you should believe in it you know i don't like religion when it says you know gay people are bad or any of that sort. i don't know that's all bull to me you know and right, i think right, a lot right. of people believe that you know and yeah. but there's a lot of things about um 
religion that are wonderful, you know, to be to be patient and to be kind and forgiveness and all those things. They are absolutely true. You know, it's just it's sometimes it's very hard to get the little diamonds, you know, separated from all the shitty, you know, rocks and dust that is thrown around. Right. Again, you know? But right, um, right. so when I say my religion is you, this really is something that I would have said to my mother, you know. Because she yeah, would say, yeah. well, you know, that's what that's what religion is. Religion is this thing. And I would just say, well, my religion is you. And she would be like, well, yeah, you know, she would just say, Wayne, you would say that, you know, but that's <laughs> and, nice. and, and that would be great for me. You know, so having yep. that in a song that I think most people, most people that are listening to the Flaming Lips, I think would totally understand where I'm coming from in that song. Sure, sure. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, um, you mentioned earlier that you read a lot of what people write about you guys. And one of the things that I read was somebody uh, was speculating that they felt that it seemed over the last decade or so that the Flaming Lips had kind of lost their way. And now they've kind of come back to wherever it is that they think they should be. Do you have any reaction to that? Do you feel the same way? How do you feel about people speculating on stuff well, like that? Well, I mean, I, I totally understand what they what they mean by that, you know. I think yep. for Stephen and I, um, you know, after we did the soft bulletin, you know, we really were set up right away to do the Yoshimi Battles of Pink Robots record. And these these are kind of albums that, you know, when we were making them, they're just another record. With with their, you know, we were we weren't young, but we weren't old enough to think, oh man, you know, we're going to be singing these songs for the rest of our life. They were just albums that we made, you know. But yep. the soft bulletin became this album that we sing it every night. You know, a lot right. of those songs, we sing them every night. Well, every night that we play. We don't play every night, but every night that we play. And the Yoshimi Battles, the Pink Robots record is yep. the other songs. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's oh, not yeah. like we ever, it's not like we ever stopped being those records, you know? And so I think for the first five or six years after those two records, you know we're out we kind of sort of felt like well those are the those are us and and are we going to try to make another record that seems like those but isn't like that when we don't really want to and we were in a position with warner brothers and Dave where they were like people are always going to listen to the soft bolton they're always going to listen to yoshimi bells of pink robots do what is ever in your heart and have fun and don't worry about it you know that's and nice that's so, nice freedom to have yeah <laughs> And and I think they very much encouraged us to be like, you'll you know whatever path you're on, that's the record you should make. And and they would remind us it was the path you were on that made you do the soft bolt, and that was the path you were on that made you do the shooting battles of the pink robots. Those weren't accessible, you know. Right. They didn't they didn't seem like records that should be popular when we made them. That was just the path we were on. And so, right. you know, when you're in the middle of it, it doesn't feel like that at all. Because I mean. Stephen and I were never trying to make another soft bolt and we didn't really want to. There was already one there. You know, it's like this is this is us. And then in the way that the soft bulletin was made, it's like we were those dudes. The making the soft bulletin was it was a bulletin that was happening to us. It was something that we were yeah. trying to understand. It was a storm that we were we were trying to understand ourselves. That's why we, we made the music. And so, you know, we would never be those those dudes again once we know it we already we understand it we learned it you know um yep, yep, yep. but i but i can totally i totally understand what they mean you know i i for sure know what they mean 
But yeah, I do, yeah. and I think this record, even though it's not coming from the same place, I think it resembles that that longing and that that longing yeah. to understand yourself that the soft Bolton and some of Yoshimi does. So yeah, I, I understand that. And and we do make a lot of records. I mean, there was one year. It's a years ago, I think we had three <laughs> records come out the same the same year, you know. Right. But you know, we we like recording and we like creating and and all that does, you know. And we produce our own records. I mean, Dave Fridman is he definitely helps us make our records, but you know, he's yeah, we're making them ourselves. You know, we're writing them and 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 recording them, and you know, so. I don't know. And, and, you know, in our defense, it's like, we, we would, we're not trying to make the soft bolt and again, yeah, yeah, you know, we're we purposely no, I, not trying to do that. Yeah. But, but I, but I can understand why people would say that. I must say that you're in your plastic bubble thing. You, you were prescient on that. It's the ultimate, you're like a trailblazer for social distancing. So I can imagine that the next time I see the band, not only you will be in a plastic bubble, but everybody else will be as well. well <laughs> it would be awesome. It's funny you, you say that when I, I'm, as soon as I'm done with this call, I'm driving down to a big venue in, in town where they're setting up a hundred space bubbles, even as we speak <laughs> to do, to do a concert in, to do a concert in about three weeks, we're going to do a concert. So uh, you're, you're exactly right. right. So yeah. Okay. All right. It's good to talk to you, Marty. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the new music podcast, proudly presented by the 13th floor and podcast New Zealand. If you haven't already, be sure not to miss an episode by subscribing free with Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.